When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everyone, welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, September 2nd, the Playday Etiquette Edition. I'm Eamon Ismail. I am also very, very tired because I have a two-month-old. His name is Musa. And he's the cutest. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose, and I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's four, and we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And Jamila's out today, but we're going to do it justice, I promise. Unless we get interrupted by one of our babies, and then we have to run around, and it's going to be a whole ordeal, and then we'll fix it in editing, and whatever. So on today's show, we're answering a listener question from a parent who has some questions on playday etiquette. What is proper playday etiquette, and what do you do when other parents don't follow it? Then we give some advice to a listener who is trying to navigate differing religious beliefs of another family. How can she teach her 12-year-old son to be more accepting of other people's views when he's quite set in his own? On Slate Plus, we're talking about the concept of free-range children. What are free-range children, and how do we feel about letting our children gain certain forms of independence at a younger age? But first, we're going to kick off the show with some triumphs and fails. Elizabeth. Do you have any triumphs or fails this week? Yeah, so I'm going to claim a triumph. Nice. At the end, a triumph. I mean, it's sort of a fail that we turn into a triumph, but aren't all great Relatable. triumphs? Yeah. Totally understandable. <laughs> so over the summer, one of the things on my list I had to do with the kids was that I really wanted to take them to a baseball game. I love watching baseball, and we just hadn't really brought the kids. And because... We sort of had these formidable years in the Netherlands. They're confused about a lot of sports. Like one time at gymnastics, Henry was asked who his favorite football team was. And he said, we root for the Netherlands because he thought <laughs> he thought they meant soccer. So when we got here, I thought, well, we'll go to a Colorado Rockies game. Great. Then I discovered the tickets are like a million dollars and there's five yeah. of us and I wanted us all to go. <laughs> and, but Colorado Springs has a baseball team that's like below minor league. It's called Premier League and it's like associated with the mm -hmm. MLB. I don't know how familiar you guys are with baseball, <laughs> but we kept saying they have these military appreciation nights where the tickets are like basically free. Like they're very cheap. I thought this is great. We'll go if the kids hate it. Who cares? But we kept kind of like putting it off like something else would come up or the weather would be bad. So there's like two games left. And so on last Thursday, we were just like, we don't care. We're going. So we get every we like have dinner. We get everybody into the car we get there we get our tickets we walk in there's like all they're giving away free chick-fil-a coupons <laughs> there yes i know they're like there's like wheels you can spin and win you know like dumb little prizes but my kids think this is like the best thing and we we take our seats and we're watching some baseball and then all of a sudden 
it plays Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And everyone's like standing up. And I'm like, well, this is weird. They usually do this in the seventh inning. <laughs> and sure enough, it was the seventh inning. You guys, I brought my kids <laughs> to the tail end of a not even really baseball league baseball game. But here's oh, the thing. No. It was perfect. It was perfect. The kids can basically tolerate about four or five innings. <laughs> we had three innings. Henry caught got a, I won't say he caught a foul ball. Like mm. it went off in one of the... Like people on the field went and got it and threw it to him. And he just thought that was like the most amazing thing in the world. They had a great experience. They want to go back, which is kind of like the whole goal of taking them. It feels incredibly COVID safe because there's like 200 people in this huge stadium. (laughs) Yeah, I guess they used to have a minor league team and now they have this team. And the mascot is called Toasty. They're called the Rocky Mountain Vibes is the name of the team. And their mascot... Is a s'more. Why does that name have so much swag? I know, right? It's a it's a flaming s'more. It was the whole experience was amazing. I feel like what a win, even though it could have been like oh, you know, a loss showing up at the end of a game. But it was it was so great, and I'm excited that they want to go back, and we're definitely gonna maybe catch this week's game. But otherwise, we'll have to pick it up next year. That'd be sick if you guys can be hardcore fans and show up with your faces painted eventually. Yeah, we're hardcore Rocky Mountain Vibes fans. (laughs) (laughs) Go Toasty. Go Toasty. Okay, so how about you? In the land of of babies, are we triumph or fail? So everything feels like it's both a triumph and a fail. And and when we fail, it becomes a triumph and vice versa. So something really amazing happened the other day. Somebody who's a listener on this show actually reached out on Twitter and said, hey, you're in Newark, New Jersey. I'm in Newark, New Jersey. We should be parent friends. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, yes, this is a dream come true. None of my friends have babies. I need more parents in my life. So we linked up at the local park. It was a lot of fun. Turns out we'd known each other for years from back in college. It was amazing. I had a lot of fun. I hope she's listening right now. Shout out to you, Terry. And we met her baby. Oh my God, so, so, so cute. It's insane. All this was the triumph, right? Meeting up with some locals, walking distance. It was a lot of fun. And then the fail. (laughs) (laughs) We pick up the baby to like kind of pull him out of the stroller to give him some air. And we see that he's sitting in just like a puddle of poo. And we're like, oh, now he chooses to, yeah, to let it all out, right? So we, we pull him out. I go to reach for the diaper bag, and it's not there. <laughs> the diaper bag wasn't there. We forgot it at home. <laughs> Could you imagine? But at least you're at a park, right? There are other parents. <laughs> I, I almost consider just wiping him in the grass yeah. and just dragging him around. <laughs> but uh, it was a fail because... I was just trying to be the good parent and show off to these other parents that I was meeting for the first time. I want them to think I'm responsible. Yeah. You know, one day I hope to, so that they could think of me as, you know, somebody they could drop their kids off to yeah. go play and we could do the same and we can depend on each other in certain ways. And I was just like, no, no, no. Where is the diaper bag? Where is the diaper bag? So their baby's nine months old, minus two months old. They were so polite. They had all these extra wipes. They were like the A-team of parents, and they just brought out this huge soft pillow that we put on the park bench so we can change them, and it was hilarious. Uh, They gave us one of their baby's diapers, which a nine-month-old and a (laughs) two-month-old, there's a big difference. So this this poor kid looked like he was Steve Urkel, where it went all the way up to his, his nipples and all the way up his back. It was the funniest thing. 
So at that point, after we got it all cleaned and after we got them all nice and happy and dry, it turned from a fail into a huge win. So so I'm a huge believer that these moments are friendship builders. Like I think that the way you really build friendships is like showing showing your weakness and asking for help. So I think that even though mm. it felt like a loss, what you did was you like even built this friendship more because you had to ask for help and they were able to help you. And that endears people to each other. Yeah. No, I, I mean, we've been texting each other nonstop, just like sending each other pictures of our babies and, and things that I almost feel embarrassed to do with other friends that don't have babies. Because, you know, it's like the stereotype. People get so annoyed when people send baby pictures unsolicited. So it's cool to have these people in our lives who get it, you know. I love that. The friends that I make, because we were actually in Colorado Springs when I had, well, I had had Henry in California, and then we moved here. And he was like, six or eight weeks old or so when we moved and so like our first baby friends like friends with babies were here and I feel such a bond to them even though I haven't seen like we moved away and we kept you know in contact with a couple of them but now that I'm back and I like see them it is such a bond because we went through this whole first baby thing together and that's the kind of stuff that happened you know like we all can remember our kids just like pooping and potty training and just all of that together and it feels like such a bonding experience so i love that you're like making fresh baby family friends to add to your collection of like different friends for different things i think it's so great it, it probably wouldn't have happened if not for mom and dad are fighting so this is this <laughs> is all becoming like a very big family event for me now doing this show every week and when dan comes back i'm gonna have to uh, <laughs> i might have to argue with him a little bit see if he doesn't need to go on book leave a little yeah. bit longer <laughs> i know i've been so amazed you know when i was sharing about just getting all of our special education paperwork done and all of that which you know, eventually I'll follow up. We're still kind of in the middle of that. But the number of listeners who like reached out, there was even someone who reached out because her mother is a like special needs pediatrician here in Colorado Springs. And oh, wow. just like those kind of things, people that had experience with all this. I, I just feel like what an amazing, amazing group. And I, I love that they reached out to you to like have a new baby friend. And I'm so thankful for the people who had reached out to me about all this stuff. Like it's just really like, I always hope that we're kind of saying like the parenting journey is really hard (laughs) and we have to do it together. (laughs) And so it does feel nice. You know, we don't all do it the same, which what fun would that be if we all Mm -hmm. (laughs) did the same thing? Oh man, yeah, I, I love I love the listeners so much, and we want them to to reach out to us more and let us know what they're doing and what are they failing at and all these questions. They actually are very validating because every week going through a ton of these questions, but just reading them is really therapeutic, and and I want more people to to share because you never know, you never know what else somebody else is going through. I agree. I also love when we get to just read through them all, and just it feels so like we're not alone. <laughs> All right, we've got more of the show coming up, but first, let's take care of some business. First, please subscribe to the show. It helps us out, and the show will automatically show up in your feed, so it's good for you and for us. Yeah, I see that. And if you want even more of your show, you should become a Slate Plus member. You'll get a whole bonus segment every single week. Here's a sneak peek of what you can hear today about free-range kids. (laughs) You know, they are going to come back like soaked in mud you know we let a kid wander off and he got sucked into basically quicksand oh my god those are the kind of things that happen (laughs) if you have free-range children and i mean there are definitely people who have much more free range than we do we do have some rules but like 
my kids all play outside unsupervised because I know that they won't go into the road, right? Once I knew that we established that, we have little things like in the grocery store, I give Henry a list for a different aisle and he goes and gets the things and comes back to my cart. But we also have like a system of calls where if he gets lost or he can't find me, he <laughs> we've talked about this before, he beeps and I beep back. That's like a thing the new camps do. And <laughs> it's super weird, but it works. Not only will you get fun extra segments like that, but you'll even get bonus episodes for shows like Political Gab Fest and Slate's Working Podcast. And you'll get unlimited reading on the Slate website without ever hitting a paywall again. Doesn't that sound beautiful? So if you want to support us and support Slate, sign up for Slate Plus. It's only $1 for the first month, so just go to slate.com slash plus. Slate's parenting newsletter is the best place to be notified about all of our parenting content, including mom and dad are fighting, care and feeding, and much, much more. Sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. But first, let's take a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Nickelodeon's got your preschoolers covered from sunrise to bedtime with four brand new podcasts. Grab their backpack and go on a culinary quest with Dora's Recipe for Adventure. Make game time great time with Let's Guess Who with Josh and Blue. And tuck in for adventure with Nickelodeon's Goodnight Bedtime Stories. Plus, we've got a brand new season of Storytime with Josh and Blue. Search Nickelodeon on your favorite podcast app to listen. And we're back. <laughs> okay, on to our first listener question. It's being read, as always, by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Hi, Mom and Dad. I'd like to talk about playdate etiquette. I always thought if someone invites my kid to their home for a playdate, then we invite them to our house for the next one, right? I am an introvert with two extroverted daughters. I'm pushed outside of my comfort zone every time they request a play date, but I do it for them because it makes them happy. So the play date comes. The friend comes over, the kids play, everyone has fun, and the kid goes home. But I never hear from their parent again. What's up with this? My kids are friendly. I monitor the play dates and everything seems fine. No arguments and they seem to leave happy. But I keep getting ghosted by other parents. And I bring my own insecurities into this, thinking that I or we did something wrong. Maybe I'm being too sensitive, but my feelings are kind of hurt. What do you think? Okay, so I am positive that Emily Post would say that you are to return an invitation for a play date. That if you are invited mm -hmm. over, that you should return the invitation. That being said, I... Don't think you should ever invite kids over for a play date in hopes that your kids will get invited because you don't know anyone else's situation. You do not know what their home life is like. You do not know what it what is going on with the parent's schedule. You don't know any of that. So I always think like when I'm trying to orchestrate play dates, okay, can I manage this? And is this something I want to do? Because honestly, sometimes 
the playdates are are great. Like my kids play better when the playdate people are here than than when we're like alone. Like they, I have to have more snacks, right? But they they're sort of go play on their own. I don't have to do as much interacting with them. So it's it's really great, and I try to have that on on my schedule. I sense here though, like the the personal thing, like feeling ghosted by other parents. The thing is, you have to invest time in the parents too. And especially when I'm having first new play dates, I will often, now again, I mean, with COVID, you have to kind of gauge this, how you're doing all this. I don't know how you're, if you're in a pod or what the situation is. Maybe you need to be meeting outside at a park. I, I think one, you can have kind of like a joint play date. Like we'd love to meet you at a park and, you know, show up with coffee or everybody pick up coffee, whatever, so that you get some time with the parents. Because I think that is a that is a big part of kind of that bonding. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to make this person your best friend. But I think having kids over for a play date is a little bit of relationship building. Like, do I trust you with my kids? Do you trust me with your kids? Like all of that and getting to kind of read read them out like, hey, we, you know, can't have people over for play dates because, you know, my mother lives there and she has dementia or whatever the situation is that they can share. And you could say like, okay, well, are there other opportunities for us to build this relationship? Pre-COVID, I used to always start a play date by just inviting the parent in for like 10 minutes or so, have a have a coffee or a snack or something while we the kids kind of started to play and then would be, you know, let them go have their time. Because I think pretty much like after the kids are about four, um, I mean, certainly if you're cl- if it's a close family friend earlier, but about four, like the parent really doesn't have to stay. Right. Or you could feel comfortable maybe going home after school. I just think there's some relationship building that needs to happen here and that um if you need to put in a little bit of effort with the other parents. And I also think if you do that, you can always ask for what you need too. I mean, I I think at this age, it's possible that at some point you're going to need someone to pick up a kid and, you know, kill 30 minutes or so after school. And so building these relationships through these, these little interactions with these other parents enables you to ask for them. You can't ever influence anybody else's behavior. So all you can do is try to invest a little bit in these people so that they want to invest back. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. 100%. Totally agree. I mean, you have to lower the bar, basically. You, you can't expect so much out of people or anything at all for that matter. You can't depend on people in that way. So I think it's totally... Uh, if it becomes a problem and you really are annoyed of always hosting it, you could say something to the effect of, uh, you know, we've done this like three times in a row. What do you what do you think about us relocating, doing something else? Um, if, if that's a little bit too aggressive for you, there's passive aggressive ways to do it. You know, there's something that uh, it's not like baby related, but I had this kind of experience where I was always hosting friends and they were always leaving messes. And I was just so tired of cleaning up after everybody every single time. So I just was just very blunt and I was like, all right, next time we're hanging out, we're doing it at your house, <laughs> you know? Uh, and they were like, sure, let's do it. Fine. You know? Uh, so sometimes people might just get comfortable in, in your space. They might just assume that you have no problem with it. I know I do that all the time. My mother usually hosts all of our, my siblings once a week at her house for like a dinner. And then out of nowhere, well, for me, it was out of nowhere, but like, <laughs> m- like one time she was like, okay, but let's do it at your place. Cause I'm really tired of cooking. And this week I don't have time. I didn't go to grocery shopping and she sounded exasperated. And at that time I was like, oh my God, where is this coming from? But then it occurred to me that we've never met up at my house and never met at my brother's house or anything else like that. So it could just be that, 
you know, uh, you need to make it clear, make it known. But at the same time, if they say, well, actually, I'm not comfortable with that because X, Y reasons, you got to respect that. You're not entitled to their home just because you brought them into yours. So totally agree with everything you said, Elizabeth. I, I'm wondering, too, if you can, I don't know how old your kids are, but I know mine sometimes will be like, well, we want to play at their house, you know, like if we're d- discussing it in person, <laughs> you know, and I think, too, if you if, if that's something you want or I'm not saying to put your kids up to it, but I am saying you could also have your kids help with the kind of nudging or bring in the conversation. If you're discussing it in person, I feel like you can always say like, well, whose house should we have? A, you know, because sometimes the kids really want a play date. And so at least introduce the idea that it doesn't always have to be on your time. I also just want to say like good job mom for hosting these play dates even though you don't you don't love them. Like we do yeah, a lot. Shout of- out to you mom. <laughs> yeah. Good job. So I'm sorry I hope I hope you meet some parents that that are inviting. I don't think it's you but I do think invest a little time. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or if you really want to be passive aggressive just yeah. don't offer snacks and don't <laughs> offer food because you know like if you keep time. feeding the cat they're going to keep coming back. <laughs> So maybe maybe your snacks are just too delicious. That's the problem. The play dates are too fun. <laughs> yeah. You can't stay stocked on Go-Gurts and expect kids not to want to come back. I love it. Well, thank you so much for writing in. We hope that helped in some way. If you want us to attempt to answer your parenting questions, don't forget you can always email us at momanddad@slate.com. So we'll be back with more. We're just going to take a quick break first. And we're back to the show. All right, so we have a second listener question. Take it away, Shasha. Dear Mom and Dad, do you think atheists and religious folks can be friends? We recently met some neighborhood kids the same age as mine, and they got along great. However, I found out that they're sort of religious to the point where the dad posts religion-themed statuses on social media. We are hardcore atheists. Our son is 12, extremely science-minded, cynical, and not one to be super diplomatic despite all of my lectures. I can't imagine a conversation between him and a kid from a religious family going well. On the other hand, it makes me sad that this could prevent a potential friendship. I know, as an adult who is extremely conflict-averse, I can navigate relationships with anyone of opposing beliefs if I want to, but neither my husband or son are quite the same. What are your thoughts? Okay, great question. This is something that I think about a lot as a Muslim who is nowhere near like a big Muslim community. But I'm kind of worried that you might be projecting a little bit onto this other family. I mean, you don't really know how a religious person will react to somebody challenging their faith. In a lot of cases, we're just used to it. I'm a religious person myself. So I don't know. I'm totally fine with people having their beliefs and you know, especially at that age when I was 12, uh, people knew that Muslims didn't eat bacon. And so they would constantly try and trick me into eating it by like throwing it into my salad when I wasn't looking or, you know, offering me sandwiches and food with bacon in it as a joke. I think at that age, as 12 years old, you, you tend to think everything is funny or silly. I don't know if like, I feel like maybe I developed a little bit more of a stern outlook as I got older. So I worry that maybe you're projecting your grown-up perspective onto this 12-year-old kid. He might have fun arguing with somebody like this, and maybe they might have fun arguing back. And this could be something that brings them together and bonds them even more. You know, um, and one of the things that I think is really 
fun about having these kinds of diverse and different religious groups coming together is that by exposing each other to different perspectives, you know, that's how you really grow as, you know, both as a religious person and also as a, as a 12 year old kid. You know, I think it's really helpful to be around people who have totally different views in the sense where you can challenge your own thoughts, have fun creating little conversations and debates around things that you feel are are a given. Uh, maybe one can convince the other on certain things and maybe they can grow stronger. I mean, it's always possible that they can grow apart and have one like big explosive fight and that's it. But I think it's your responsibility as the parent to give them the option, not to make that choice for them. I think that's so well said. Like, it seems to me like the idea of cutting off a potential friendship over an issue before it's an issue it is not at all like what you want. Like, we live in a very diverse world. And I guess I also would consider myself to be very religious. And I enjoy encountering people who think differently than me. And of course, I, you know, there's some confusion with this question because when I first read it, I thought like, well, do they mean religious or do they mean like we're having some political issues with that are using religion right that can be something totally different like if what we're talking about is really actually racism sexism something like that then maybe yes we we do have a problem again it seems like you've only had the problem with like the dad posting things and not necessarily these kids so i also would say let's not cut off these kids for what you know their parents their parents have done but i guess you refine your own beliefs by having people push up against them. So if anything, having someone that you can discuss these things with is a way to grow your own personal belief system, right? Like when I lived in the Netherlands, and she's still one of my very dear friends, is an atheist, and she and I have incredible mutual respect for each other. I think she's incredibly lovely. She's raising an amazing child. She's so smart. And I ask her for advice on things all the time because her perspective of things is so valuable to me because the root of it is so different than mine. And that doesn't mean that I have to take everything she says literally, but just even having that foundation of our belief systems be different means that that the way she thinks about things is very different. And that helps me make really good decisions. Like it, it helps me really think about it is what I'm saying being colored by my beliefs in a good or bad way, like, like those sort of things. So I think if you can encourage this, I also think, look, like 12-year-olds are, are they say a lot of things, they like to be cynical, but they also do a lot of like playing and enjoying other people's company that have nothing to do with religion. Again, all of this aside, assuming that it's not some kind of like moral issue <laughs> that we're talking more like, do you believe in creationism or evolution, like those sort of things. Those can be really interesting discussions. And also you can play Legos or go skateboarding or do whatever Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood, kick a ball without those (laughs) ever coming up or being a problem. (laughs) So I just think the, the opportunity to have friends and this opportunity to to learn, especially because you say this is something that your son and your husband struggles with, I think it's an even better opportunity for them to try to be friends with these people because at some point you have to learn what some boundaries in friendship look like. Like that 
trying to convince someone, if every conversation is trying to convince someone that my way is the best way, that's not a good friendship, no matter no matter who you are, right? The, the same thing, like if the only people you surround yourself with are people that uh, like have the exact same beliefs, that's not a great way to live either. So I just think there's this opportunity here to, to engage in some of that. And you can definitely model that. It It just... I don't know. I, I think you sort of hinted at this, but I feel like this letter reads like, I think there's going to be this big problem. And now I worry that it's going to be micromanaged so that it is a problem, as opposed to saying like, I know this thing and I can see that that might be a road bump in the future. So I'm going to prepare myself for when my son comes home and says like, did you know that X believes or X thinks? And and how am I going to deal with that in a way that is like kind, but still conveys the things that are important to our family and I hope to impart on my kid? That's a really great point. That's a brilliant point. I mean, we we live in 2021. It's impossible to avoid people who don't think exactly like you. Unless you live in like Saudi Arabia, right? <laughs> so they're going to need to learn eventually to have relationships with people who have totally separate religious beliefs from them. But I'm surprised, Elizabeth, you don't play ball and talk about God at the same time. All the time. No, I'm just like, here you go. <laughs> okay. By the way. No, but that's a really good point. <laughs> I really like that because it's very poignant in the sense where you can't box people into these tiny little versions of themselves where everything they do is a response to their religious beliefs. Muslims have this problem where we tend to, you know, have to convince people that we can listen to rock music or rap music or, you know, have whole personalities outside of just being a religious person you know uh as a slate journalist i tend to go and report from certain places where there's a lot of like republicans and a lot of people who tend to have very particular ideas of who muslims are and what they believe but i'm not there to like evangelize people or even to present myself as a muslim and use that to challenge them i'm just trying to be a reporter and ask questions about politics and do my job so It's usually something that I think we have to learn at a younger age to understand people are more complicated than their outward identities, right? Uh, You you can go and have like a really great time at a museum or paint or go play and never talk about the certain things that you feel are central to your identity. And, And I think that's something that if we were to learn at 12 or even before then, seven or eight or whatever, uh, then it'll make life much easier and simpler when they do get older and they get a job in some city wherever, and they're surrounded by people who don't think like them. So these are valuable skills. And I think if anything, you should be trying to encourage this kind of friendship and maybe even get them, uh, you know, other kinds of friends, Get a Jewish friend and a Muslim friend or an Amish friend or a really tall friend, a really short friend, you know, try and get them around as many people as possible so that they can learn to respect the fact that people are more complicated than they might first seem. You know, I think, too, because so much of parenting is like preparing your child or trying to prepare your child for life. You are going to come across in your workplace people of different religions who are observing their religion's beliefs there. You are certainly going to be invited to weddings and, you know, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, to um, other cultural celebrations. And I would hope that one of your goals is to raise a child that can go to these things and appreciate them and not feel affronted that these people, I'm here to celebrate these friends or celebrate these people, right? And what they believe 
even if I don't believe it, like I think one of the things I love about traveling and taking the kids traveling is getting to see these different things. We took the kids to Morocco over Christmas. And one of the awesome things about it was to like have this day that was so important to us and not important to anyone there. And it, it was such a good I don't know, like just thing to demonstrate to the kids because we have otherwise always been in a culture in which everyone is celebrating Christmas. And so to have us like being the only ones to have this very private celebration, not the only ones, but certainly not the whole town is not decked out. There aren't Christmas events, right? There's other stuff going on. And to really appreciate that and learn about that and and see that to me is really important. And it taught them this lesson of like, we can appreciate this beauty. We can learn how to behave in different situations and even how to respectfully observe these different religious beliefs or cultural things, right? Even if we don't believe them, we can be there and be part of that and respectful. And I just think that if what we want is like a world that is more inclusive, it is about learning where those lines of respect are. And this is a great opportunity to to teach that, especially, again, because I feel like so much of this is coming because you saw some posts on Facebook. This dad does not have to be your best friend. In fact, these friends, like, it could turn out that that it is a constant topic and it is a problem, in which case they can just be like the outdoor friends that play soccer or play baseball. It is okay to have those people in your life and know how to have them and what boundaries you you can have. Well said. Snaps. Snap it for you. It's just let let things play out and you hope that you've given them the tools that they can be good human people. So, yeah. That's parenting, man. That's parenting, man. (laughs) See all the fun you have ahead of you? (laughs) You've lived it. The thing is, like, so much of this parenting stuff, like, we've lived it, right? So, like, we're seeing our kids do it, but we also have this, like, lived experience of having had these experiences and feeling like, did I handle these right? Did I not handle these right? I don't know. Looking back as a parent is, like, crazy. Like, oh, geez. (laughs) Yikes. Yeah, I've heard that from other parents, that everything that you do, you're going to be able to see in a good way or in a bad way, and that... You just need to have faith that you're doing things the best that you can and and nature heals itself. <laughs> you know, I think every exactly we're all trying our best and at some point you just have to say, What I can't give anything else. All I can do is my best. I can continue to refine and make changes, right? And and mm-hmm. do better as I grow and learn. But like that that's really that's really all you can do. <laughs> That's all you can do and be and be grateful that we can do that at least. Okay. So, well, thank you so much for all of our listeners for writing in. And if you have an update at some point, please let us know. We appreciate the updates because we like to know whether or not our advice worked (laughs) or if it didn't work so we can stop handing that advice out. And to the rest of our listeners out there, are you looking for some excellent parenting advice? or not so excellent parenting <laughs> advice well that's what we do here <laughs> please email us at mom and dad at slate.com okay so time for us to move on to recommendations elizabeth what you got okay well amon you have much too young of a baby to even know what i'm talking about here but i <laughs> um, and i don't know that this was a thing when we were kids i don't know uh my kids are really into well mostly henry and oliver into 
perler beads, which are like those little plastic beads that you put on things and you melt mm. and you can make stuff. And I they're big into those. Make, do you yeah. remember? Okay. Th- so yeah. they're big into making these like keychains and they make things, they hand them out to their friends. I think it's super cute. It's great. It's really good for um, hand eye coordination. The problem is the beads go everywhere. Mm. I have like, they're all in a bin and I have a tray. It's just a giant mess. And then I was walking through Target, and I saw this. It's called the Perler Bead Craft Bead Sweeper. I mean, not doesn't really roll off the tongue, but it's basically like a crumb scraper from a fancy restaurant, but for Perler beads, you like roll it over and it collects all the beads in, in the back, and then you can just dump them in there. It is the best thing ever. If your kids are into Perler beads, you need to go buy one of these because it not only can you pick up the beads very quickly, it's like a fun little car and the kids like to pick up the beads. Uh, and it just, you don't, you won't be like picking them up or trying to sweep them off the table into the bucket and they're going everywhere. So anyway, go out, get yourself a Perler bead craft bead sweeper. I am sure they are going to put a link in the show notes. If you're into Perler beads, please get yourself one of these. It is so worth it. <laughs> That's amazing. I, is it weird to get that for adults? <laughs> no. I mean, there are many little things you could pick up with it. <laughs> you'll be, see, you'll need soon, you'll be, when you start feeding, it's like the kids leave crumbs everywhere, everywhere. You're like, oh, out, you're at a friend's house. You go to people's house that don't have kids. They, like, leave crumbs. I We actually ended up buying one of those, like, crumb sweepers and bringing it with us because we were so embarrassed by, like, the mess the kids... <laughs> Yeah, I could. I could so I'm see just that. continuing this. Uh, this is where my my OCD comes in a bit. Like the I I cannot have the beads floating around. They need to be put away. I could not have the I crumbs that, on though. the table. I love that you're you're finding these kinds of shortcuts because those are the types of things that will just destroy my self esteem when it comes yeah. to showing up to people's houses with a baby. I know, right? All right. So, what do you have for us? I just ordered something and it hasn't come in yet, so I can't say it is the most amazing product and you should get it at XYZ, XYZ. But I'm really excited. I, t- I take a lot of pictures on my phone. I have thousands of pictures of this kid who, who's just basically just, just came out, but I have like thousands of pictures of him already. And it's really, it's, it's like troublesome for me to have to scroll up, scroll up, because there's like one picture I remember that I can't always find. And I, I'm not always going to collect all the pictures I want and, and send it to, to a printer to get all the pictures printed. So I went and I found like this mini Kodak, like four by seven printer, which will print photo album sized pictures on demand. And it's, it takes up just about as much space on your table as the photo itself. And I have all these photo albums that I don't know what to do with. So I just went ahead and ordered this printer. And I'm really excited because I have all these really cute pictures of him just doing like a funny face or, or a picture of him being squeezed in between both of us when we're taking a picture in front of the mirror. Things that I'll never like, I'll never get printed like huge or anything like yeah. that. But just something that I want as a little memento for myself. Something that maybe Musa can find when he's older and see like a picture book. You know, I'm also really worried about like switching a phone or dropping this phone in the lake and then all those memories are gone. So I really like the idea of having like a hard copy Mm -hmm. somewhere in the house uh, as a little archive, you know, not going to scrapbook and go all out with that. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll feel differently about that later, but right now I think it's, it's a, it's like a, it was like a really quick impulse buy. It was like a hundred bucks. But at the same time, I'm really looking forward to having physical albums you know, and one of the things that I really cherished as a kid was sitting around and going through these albums with my parents 
and having them point to people that I didn't know who were holding me as a baby. And I was like, who is that person? They say, oh, that was my friend. X. Oh, they were a lot of fun. They took you to the zoo. All these like memories that I can revisit. Uh, and I'm, I'm really hoping that I could do that with my son, too. I love this so much, and I'm going to tell you, okay, so one, it's a recommendation that needs an update, because you have to let us know if it's awesome. But two, yes. okay, I'm going to give you a project you have to do with this thing you've just purchased. You okay. need to make a little photo album of either all the, I know you're taking pictures of who's holding him and stuff, but like, take photos of him with the pe- with different people or all that and just make a little photo album because he's about to be obsessed. He might already be obsessed with faces. And because oh. we didn't live near our family, <clears throat> I printed up, I called them like my kid's Facebook. Like this is Henry's Facebook. And at night or like when we were playing, I would look at the book and be like, this is your grandma and like tell a little, you know, or this is your grandpa. And some of the pictures were like pictures. I They were with me doing something or they were doing this cool thing. Mm. And I would like kind of tell them about the pictures. But even now, like they love these books. Like they love them. They love to look at them. Like they're older now. They like, it's like a comfort item. And I love that I got to share these people with, you know, my kids when they were obsessed with looking at faces. Like I could make sure they were seeing the faces. So since you have this little printer, you can even like update it. Like, oh, you went on, this is your friend that you went on your first play date with, you know? So I think you need to make a little Musa's Facebook and make sure you're like sharing it with him even now because he's going to start just really staring at faces and trying to look and see like, does this face look familiar to me? And they just love seeing like photos. Oh, I love that idea. I'm totally going to do that. (laughs) And I I hate showing him pictures on my phone too. That just doesn't feel right. So I try to limit his screen time (laughs) at two months old. We do a little bit of FaceTiming, but that's more for his grandparents than for him. Uh, But I I love the idea of like having the physical pictures for us for him to look at. Yeah, it's like a real book. Like you don't want him thinking like, well, all the good information is on this phone, which they will think anyway, because, you know, like Mm -hmm. it beeps and you pick it up. It's (laughs) inevitable. Yeah. But I do think like. It's kind of like your first opportunity to say, like, books are really important. And here's Mm. one with all these people that love you and all these faces you love to look at. And now you can, like, I just love that you could just, like, print up a new one and throw it at, you know, like, be changing it up, too. Oh, yeah. That's very cool. Love it. Awesome. I'm totally going to do that. That's a great idea. Okay, but you'll have to let us know if, like, how the the pictures are and if you like it and if you're using it as much. Because I think it's such a good idea for, for new parents to have. Oh, I will. So that's our show. One last time, if you have a question for us, please email us at slate.com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting. Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Morgan Flannery. For Elizabeth Newcamp, I'm Eamon Ismail. Thank you for listening. Bye, parents. Bye.